True or false? A Christian is as totally complete as the Lord Jesus Christ is. The answer? True. And you'll find out why next on Daily in Christ. Hello once again, I'm Mark Van Oos. It's my great joy to take time together with you wherever you are. And I know that there are people in different points around the world that uh, get this podcast from week to week. And I am grateful that you do that. And it is an honor for us to be able to gather around God's holy word, the Bible. We continue today in our series called Hebrews, the Glory of the New Covenant. And uh, we pick it up once again in Hebrews chapter 10. Last time, we were in verses 1 through 10. And in those verses, we found out that the law, or the uh, Old Covenant, was only a shadow. However, Christ is the reality that that shadow, which was just a dim outline and not the reality, Christ himself is the reality that the law points to. And God did not desire a shadow, but he desired the reality in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, most Christians live in the shadowlands of law. What they do for God is their focus, and they totally miss out on the victorious life that God has, which is based on the full sufficiency and completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also see saw last time in verse 9, and earlier actually in this passage where Jesus Uh, said, Father, I have come to do your will. And it says in verse 9, he takes away the first, speaking of the covenant of law, that he may establish the second. And then the very important verse, verse 10, by that will, we have been sanctified, that means made holy, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Well, we're going to pick it up from that point in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 11. And the thought continues. The reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. Perfect God, perfect man, perfectly accomplishing all for us. And let's begin our reading in verse 11. And as we do, let's take a moment right now and let's pray. Father, thank you for the reality and the totality of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Father God, your brilliant plan isn't that we are the perfect man, but that Jesus is the perfect man. And that being in him, the perfect human, the perfect man, we have completeness. Father, I pray that as we dig into the truth of your holy word today, that you would guide me as I teach it. Father, I pray that you, by the Holy Spirit, would, as you promise, bring a deeper revelation and insight and illumination and understanding of yourself, your heart of love, your grace, and the completeness of the Lord Jesus Christ and what that means to us I thank you for it, Lord, and we look forward to what you will do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 10. Let's begin in verse 11. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, which reads, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly 
the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. (laughs) Well, there is an awful lot in the richness of those verses. And let's just walk through this bit by bit. Back to verse 11, it says, And every priest, and this is speaking of the priests who served under the covenant of law, the old covenant, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. This is another Hebrews contrast, and it's very striking. Under the covenant of law, the priests were offering the blood of bulls and goats, the blood of animals, which could never, as we mentioned the last time, ever remove sins. It could never make the worshipers perfect and complete. It was a temporary order, and so it never was over. It had to be repeated endlessly over and over and over again, and those priests stood, meaning their work was never completed. Think about it. All that work, 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 work that could never take away sins. And then verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 12. But this man, Jesus, we see, did it. This man, this man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember, the Lord Jesus Christ is 100% God as the Son of God and 100% man as the Son of Man. This man, Jesus. You see, a man called Adam, failed, and the sin and death disaster came through him. It took another man, a perfect man, the Lord Jesus, who came in perfectly doing all, succeeded in doing the will of the Father, and he brings life, righteousness, and peace. They all come through him. I love what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, For if by the one man's offense, speaking of Adam, death reigned through the one. Did you catch it? Death reigned through the one. We look at the world today. It's a great big mess. We see sin and death reigning. That came through one man's offense. The failure of that man, Adam. Listen to this, though, in Romans 5, 17. Much more much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Few of us would ever doubt about the effect of Adam's wrong, his transgression, his sin. It brought the sin and death disaster. Well, if one 
person did that and we know the effect of it, how much more the living God as the perfect son of man, perfect human being coming in brings something infinitely better an abundance of grace. And do you notice what it says there in Romans 5.17? The gift of righteousness. It's not how much good things you do, how well you behave. No, it's as it says in Romans 1.17, the revelation of the gospel is a righteousness from God. It's God's righteousness. So we receive this gift of righteousness and abundance of grace and we reign in life through by means of the one Jesus Christ. Okay, back to our text here in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus offered the one perfect sacrifice of himself with his own precious perfect blood and the effect of that one time perfect sacrifice is a forever sacrifice it says one sacrifice for sins forever and notice the contrast the old covenant law priests were standing constantly day and night ministering jesus it says here in hebrews 10:12 sat down at the right hand of god the father in the bible way of saying things when someone is seated it means that the work is finished and that is exactly what is meant here jesus has completed all And where is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And where is God the Father? He's in heaven. And what is the significance of that right hand? That is the favored position. It is the favored position of the firstborn son. Now, look what it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 13. From that time, now Jesus is finished He's seated. He's at the right hand of God the Father, the favor position. Did you know he's waiting for something? It says in verse 13, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. The Lord Jesus Christ is a victor. He is, well, back in those days, when there would be a conquering general, he would take the defeated army and all the spoils of war, and you'd see the um, incredible celebration, a, a, a victory parade that would have all of the uh, uh, victorious army there. The victorious general would be seated watching this all taking place, and then they would see the defeated army and all the spoils of war, and at the very end of that victory cavalcade was the conquered general bound up and humiliated and the very last action before that defeated general would be executed would be he would be forced to get down on all fours and he'd be the footstool for the uh, victorious general that same picture is what is in hebrews chapter 10 verse 13 the lord jesus is uh, waiting for just one thing his enemies to be made his footstool. The Lord Jesus is victor. And he's watching that victory parade. Only an 
all that he's waiting for is his enemies to prop his feet up. And you know, this uh, picture, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool, this is uh, actually, would you believe that phrase, till I make his enemies his footstool? It first appears in Psalm 110, verse 1, uh, which was cited earlier in this chapter. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, it says the Lord, the Hebrew for Lord there is Yahweh, referring to God, God the Father, said to my Lord, Adonai, which speaks of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father says to the Son, Son, sit at my right hand and uh, till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, that's mentioned in Psalm 110, verse 1. Do you realize that same phrase is repeated seven times in the New Testament. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, also right here in Hebrews 10, 13, we also see it in Matthew 22, 44, Mark 12, 36, Luke 20, 43, Acts 2, 35, and 1 Corinthians 15, 25. That's significant. He's waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. Is clear Bible language that he is done. He's finished. He's won all. And that, dear friends, has everything to do with your completeness. Now we get to, and we'll get more into that in, in just a few moments. Verse 14, Hebrews 10, verse 14. And I want to read this verse in the New American Standard uh, Bible, which says, For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. Now we see that by means of the perfect one-time complete offering of the Lord Jesus Christ, you, Christian, and me have received all. We have received all by means of Jesus as the perfect Son of God, Jesus as the perfect Son of Man, living a perfect life, uh, perfectly obeying the Father, perfectly loving the Father, Jesus as perfect high priest, Jesus perfect suffering uh, with perfect blood, uh, giving a perfect offering, making a perfect sacrifice, uh, dying a perfect death, rising to a perfect resurrection, um, now at a perfect ascension at the Father's right hand, waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool, perfectly interceding for you and me. Have you heard me say that before? Why, yes, I've said it several times because Hebrews talks about that. That's what Hebrews is all about. Hallelujah. And notice what it says here in verse 14. He has perfected for all time. Now, the um, Greek word for perfected is teleu, which means completed. It means that it's accomplished, that it's made perfect. And this Greek word teleu is in the Greek perfect tense. And the perfect tense indicates an action which is done once for all time, never to be repeated again. So Jesus has accomplished a perfect, completed action. He has perfected for all time. Jesus did it for you. The rest of the verse, those who are sanctified. Now, I need to 
to make this note of clarification. If you're reading that verse, Hebrews 10, 14, in the New King James Version or the New International Version, please note that they wrongly translate it as being sanctified. It sounds like the present tense. That's wrong. The King James New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, and the Amplified Version all get it right. They indicate that it is something that is past tense already done. They are sanctified. What's the confusion? Well, there really is no confusion. In the Greek, are sanctified is presented as a historical present. We don't really use this kind of uh, way of speaking today, but back then it was used to indicate uh, in a sort of a dramatic way an event which occurred in the past, but describing it as if the reader were there watching the event occur right then. It's used to dramatize the sense of that uh, action. Well, all right, what does all this mean for you, born-again Christian? Well, because he has accomplished all, connect the dots of what it says right here. Verse 14, for by one offering he has perfected forever. We said perfected means to make complete. It's in the perfect tense, done once for all time, never to be repeated again. Those who are sanctified, made holy. Jesus has made you 100% complete. He has accomplished all for you. He has succeeded with you for all time, and you are complete in him. Colossians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10 says this, for in him, speaks, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Listen to this, verse 10, and you are complete in in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, the word complete in Colossians chapter 2 is the same one that we saw there in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. And it is also in the Greek perfect tense. Again, you are complete in him does not indicate a process or crisis but it is something that has been done, an action which has been done once by Jesus to you for all time, never to be repeated again. Without any equivocation, the Bible is 100% crystal clear that you, dear born-again Christian, are now and forever complete in Christ. You are lacking nothing. Now, I want to stop right here because some people are going, oh, I have a problem with that. Well, get over it. <laughs> it's what the Bible says. Even if you don't understand it, quietly agree with God and say, well, Lord, it's in your word. I don't understand it all, but I, by faith, accept it. Now, some of you might be saying, well, yeah, that's true, Mark. That is our position in Christ. Uh, well, you know, the Bible doesn't talk about this term position in Christ. That's actually something that's come from religion, not the Bible. We are not in a position. 
The Bible says we are in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not some positional truth. You know, so often it's it's taught as so-called positional truth. There's, I don't know where that comes from. That's That's definitely not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't talk in terms of positional truth. The Bible talks in truth in terms of reality. And the reality of the believer is that your new existence in Christ, ever since you've been born again, is in Christ. Let me give an example. Let's say I have a bottle of water. Okay? Where's the water? The water is in the bottle, correct? Now, if I take that bottle of water with me to an airport, where's the water? The water is in the bottle. Where's the bottle? The bottle is in the airport. Now, let's say I get onto an airplane. They allow me to do that. And then the airplane goes up to 40,000 feet. Now, where's the water? The water is in the bottle. The bottle is at 40,000 feet. And because the bottle is at 40,000 feet, the water which is in the bottle is at 40,000 feet. Now, let me ask you a question. Is the water at 40,000 feet positional truth. You see my point? Isn't that a little bit silly? Of course not. The water is actually at 40,000 feet because it's in the bottle and the bottle is at 40,000 feet. Why is it that we sort of lose our minds and stop thinking when it comes to biblical truth? We understand when something is in something else where that something else go, the thing that's in it goes with it. If I take my Bible and I put a card inside of that Bible and close it, and I take that Bible with me to Timbuktu, where's the Bible? The Bible's in Timbuktu. Where's that card? In the Bible in Timbuktu. If common everyday natural things, that's true. How much more so is that a truth and a reality in Christ. You, believer, are in Christ. And so often, we don't think this way. We, we, we tend to, to look at statements in the Bible saying that we're perfect and we're complete. And, and then we, we stop and we look at ourselves and we go, huh? I don't see that. That's because your perfection and completeness is not in you. It's in Christ. And you are perfect and complete in him because he is that way. The existence of the Christian is not me plus nothing. The sum of my Christian life is not me plus nothing. The sum of my Christian life is me plus Jesus equals everything. Do you see it? Me plus Jesus equals everything. If you are a born-again Christian, by the grace of God, you have everything. Why do you have everything? Because you have him who is everything, the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't hear this term very much in the church today, but I'm telling you the church triumphant through the millennia has talked about the sufficiency of Christ. This is what is meant. And how many times did Jesus make the statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you see the difference that that really makes? 
because you are in Christ, who is the complete one. You are complete because he's complete. How can he be complete and you're not complete when you're in him? Is Jesus lacking anything? No. Therefore, you're lacking nothing. Do you have everything? Yes, you have everything. How can you top the Lord Jesus Christ? He is your everything. Hallelujah. That's good news. And as the result, you, Christian, are highly favored in the beloved. Ephesians 1.6, that the beloved in the beloved speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have perfect wisdom from God, perfect righteousness, perfect sanctification, and perfect redemption. Why? Because God the Father has made us, has made Christ to be that for us, unto us. First Corinthians one thirty says, Of God are ye in Christ, who has been made unto us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that as it is written, let him who glories, glory in the Lord. First Corinthians one thirty and thirty one. You Christian have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans five one. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you are the righteousness of God in Christ because God the Father made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. You are also perfectly holy by the perfect holiness of God. And that comes out here in Hebrews chapter 10 and also in other places in the scripture, the New Testament. 1 John 4.17 says, as he is, so are you in this world. 1 John 4, 17, Hebrews 10, 10, we went over this last week. You have been sanctified, made holy, set apart. It's not a process. It's not a crisis. Sanctification is a person through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 declares that you, Christian, have all sufficiency in all things so that you may have an abundance for every good work. Why is this true for the believer now and forever? It's because, as it says in Colossians 3.11, Christ is all and in all. That is amazing truth. That is tremendous reality, and it pains my heart when I think that most Christians don't know this. It pains my heart to realize that probably 95% of pastors don't even know it, and they're not teaching their congregation. That's a tragedy. It's a needless tragedy in the body of Christ today. You see, most of what religion teaches is that you are incomplete. But see, your completeness is not a process. Your completeness isn't by trying more, reading your Bible more, praying more, studying more, trying to be more holy. No, no, no. Your completeness is a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you ever say that Jesus is somehow incomplete? (laughs) Well, of course not. Would you ever say that Jesus is somehow imperfect? Well, no, Mark, I would never say that. Would you say that Jesus is partially sanctified? No, of course not, you say. Would you say that Jesus is partially holy? No, no. 
Would you say that he's partially righteous? Of course not, Mark. I'd never say that. Well, then why do you go around saying that you're partially holy, partially righteous, partially good? Whenever a Christian says that, they are making such a statement based upon themselves. They're looking at themselves in an unrealistic fashion. Reality is, Christian, you are in Christ, not in a position. You are in a person. And by virtue of that person, your union with Christ, you are complete. It isn't something that's going to happen down the road. Because it says in Colossians 2.10, when it says, and you are complete in him, it's in the Greek perfect tense. What does that mean? That means it's an action done one time, never to be repeated again. Because it's perfect. You see, it's so important for us to wrap our minds around the truth of the word and not what we think. I've had to change my thinking. I can't tell you how many times I've encountered the Word of God and, and said, wait a minute, this is what it actually says. Well, I don't understand this, but okay, Lord, I guess I have to, again, change my thinking and embrace your truth. Jesus said, "Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. What did the devil do in the garden with Adam and Eve at the fall? He deceived them. You will not surely die, he said. For in the day you eat of it, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. God himself said they would surely die. See, there is a deceiver. And that deceiver wants to deprive you, Christian, of the experience of the reality you're already in. Man, I'm learning this for myself as well. So many times in life I think, well, I'm not good enough, I'm not righteous enough, I'm not smart enough, whatever. You know, whenever I say not enough, I'm walking about with unrenewed, fallen thinking that's wrong. And I need to repent. Do you know what the word repent means in the Bible? Metanoia is the Greek word. It means to change your mind. We need to change our mind from believing wrong things that are unbiblical, that contradict the clear teaching of Scripture like we see here in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11, well, 1 through 14 now. And we need to embrace the truth warmly and say, Lord, somehow, some way, this is true, I don't understand, but I, I will worship you and say that Jesus has done it all. Lord, help me to understand it better. Oh, would you believe... That clock just doesn't stop, does it? Our time is up for this edition of uh, Daily in Christ. We're taking it slow through these, these critical verses. I mean, Hebrews chapter 10 is like the climactic high point of a movie or of a symphony. You know, I love uh, music and I love symphonic music. And a good symphony has this theme that runs throughout and it builds and builds till it hits the climax. And typically there's the clash of the symbols. Well, that's the case here in Hebrews chapter 10. 
We've been going through this incredible book and line upon line, point upon point, we see the perfection and the totality and the completeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now we hit the symbol crash. We hit the climax. We hit the high point of the symphony right here. The grand intersection between the finished work of Jesus Christ and the fact because of that finished work, you are 100% complete in Him. Why? Because He's 100% complete. Let's pray. Father, what amazing, wonderful truth. We worship you, dear Father. Our hearts are so humbled at such awesome truth. There's nothing where we can take glory for this, Lord. You did it all. You've accomplished all, dear Father. And I thank you for doing that, Lord. I thank you for loving us this much through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has accomplished and finished all. Father, I pray that you would continue through the Word, through the Spirit, to reveal the full dimensions of you, your heart of love, and what you have accomplished. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray, amen.